0: This next chapter is simply so full of Jesus' doctrine. We can't skip a beat, so we have to really look at it, and I won't be able to finish the whole chapter, I think, but let's see how far we get. Because in John chapter 15, Jesus teaches us very specifically what it means to be fruitful. What it means to be fruitful. How to become fruitful. In the world, they rephrase the term fruitfulness to success back in the day when you speak to a farmer spoke to a farmer back in the ancient times he would say this was a very fruitful year nowadays a farmer would tell you we've had a very successful quarter so when the bible speaks of fruitfulness it speaks of success but here we're going to see Jesus teaching us what it means to be fruitful from his perspective or successful From God's perspective all right and so we're going to learn what it means to be fruitful how to become fruitful and what it means to remain in Christ's love how to remain in Christ's love how to gauge whether or not we are in fact a disciple of Christ or not this is what he's teaching us in chapter 15 and what is the basis of your joy what is the basis of your joy if you ask a parent, for most part, what do you hope, to ha- what do you hope for your children one day? They would say that, they, that my children will one day find happiness. But truthfully, God has called you to a joyful life, a joyful life, and to find joy in Him. But our question is, what is the basis of that joy? Where do I stand in order to grow in that joy? Where do, what is the source of joy in life? And for most part, people think it's pleasure. That's why they chase after pleasure. But pleasure does not produce joy necessarily, but very often it produces pain. What is the basis of our joy? So these are the things we're going to discuss or see Jesus speak to us about in this chapter. And one of the main themes of this chapter, as I mentioned, is the fruitful life. And before we cover the chapter, starting with verse 1, going forward... What I would like to do is explain verse 8 because we need to understand verse 8 and then we're going to go back to the top of the chapter. So verse 8 of chapter 15 says, My Father, Jesus speaking, is glorified. He is glorified by this. You go like, by what? (laughs) Jesus says that you bear much fruit. He didn't say that you bear some fruit. He says that you would bear much fruit. And when you bear much fruit, God in heaven is glorified. God in heaven is glorified. So this tells me this one thing for certain, that God is glorified by the fruit-bearing life, by the life that is successful in God's perspective. So if you want your life to glorify God, guess what? Know what it means to be fruitful and become fruitful. That's a life that glorifies God question, of course, is, well, what does it mean to be fruitful? Here's the question. So, what I did was, I went through Scriptures, and I saw what all all the authors of Scripture's perspectives were of a fruitful life. Wouldn't that be helpful to understand? (laughs) Because it will actually redefine our context of success. It'll help us redefine success from God's perspective instead of from Wall Street's perspective or the world's perspective. And so let's look at what it is, what does it mean to be fruitful? Many equate a fruitful life with a productive life. Somebody goes, Wow, we're very fruitful this year. Um, After a productive day, maybe on the job, somebody would come back and say something like that. This was a very productive, productive day. But if we look at a seemingly productive individual like, with the likes of, let's say, Elon Musk, okay, because people have a lot of feelings about him. He's South African, so simmer down, okay? <laughs> let's say we look at somebody seemingly productive like Elon Musk, who manages many, many, um, well, who manages multiple very successful companies. And what is that success? Well, that, what is that production or productive life look like does it fit within the context of john 15 verse 8 the fruitful life that glorifies god does it fit within that context the answer is no it doesn't because elon as a self-proclaimed agnostic is not glorifying god with his success he's doing other things with his success right so let's consider what the writers of scriptures meant when they used the word Fruitful. First, a fruitful person is the one who raises godly offspring. The fruitful life is the person who raises godly children. Genesis 1.28, God blessed them, Adam and Eve, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with your children then subdue it this was a command to reproduce a command to have many children Genesis 9 verse 1 after Adam and Eve God speaks to Noah verse 1 of chapter 9 says then God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with your children Here, God commands Noah to multiply in the sense of having many children, grandchildren, and great grandchildren. Genesis 35, verse 11, after speaking to Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply by having many children and raising them for God's purposes, he says to Noah, Go forth and have many children and raise them for God's purposes. And now he comes to Jacob. In chapter 35 of Genesis, verse 11, he says, And God said to him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply. A nation, and a, multiple, a nation and a multitude of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come from you. Adam and Eve, have many children. Raise them for me. And Then he says to Noah, Noah, I have many children. Raise them for me. Then he says to Jacob, Jacob, have many children and raise them for me. This is a fruitful life. In Exodus 1 verse 7 it says, But the sons of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly and multiplied and became exceedingly mighty so that the land was filled with them, with them, their children, their grandchildren, and their great-grandchildren. They were fruitful. So the conclusion here is um, that God means a fruitful life to be a person who parents many covenant children, raising them for God's glory. It's a wonderful thing, right? It's a wonderful thing. Number two, a fruitful person is the one who gives God praise with his lips. Who praises God verbally and publicly. In Hebrews 13 verse 15 it says, through him then let's continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips praising his name. That's why it's so important to be here for praise and worship. You are you are being fruitful when you raise your hands and you sing glory to God. You are fruitful when you praise God before every meal and you say God thank you for this for providing for us. Your name is great. Start praising God, praising God. Remember now we always taught taught us about a lot. We worship God because he's holy. We thank God because he's good, but we praise God because he's great. So whenever you start declaring the greatness of God, Your lips are being fruitful, part of a fruitful life, the person that praises. Then thirdly, a a fruitful person is the one who works with their hands in fear and in obedience to God. Whether they drive a truck or whether they're a landscaper or whether they're building homes or whether they're a pen pusher and they're working, that person who does what they do in fear of God And in obedience to God, that person is being fruitful. Fear of God is not that you have anxiety over the fact that He's there. (laughs) It's over the fact when you fear the Lord, you shudder at the idea of misrepresenting Him in the house that you build, with those you build it with, and the one you're selling it to. Misrepresenting Him in anything that you do that is the one who fears God here is the one who fears God he takes the scripture and he goes the Bible said it I'm submitting to it because I am led by the Spirit of God I am led by the Spirit of God I fear God I don't argue scriptures I don't argue God when God says he is sovereign and man is responsible I go like I don't get it but it's true I'm fine true when God says I am one and I'm three, I'm like, all right, you're, a, you're one in three. Who am I to argue? I submit to that. I preach that. I declare that. I'm happy about it. <laughs> when the Bible says Jesus is 100% God and He's 100% man, I'm like, I don't get it, but hey, I'm, one, I'm totally okay with it. He said it. All of the paradoxes in the Scriptures, it's fine. I'm okay with it. How can God be sovereign and so much evil exist in the world, well there are a lot of very intellectual ways of explaining that but for, for those who might watch and do not understand it, it's fine. It's fine. The one who fears God says God, let, let God be true and let every man be a liar. Will he not do that which is right? Yeah, but what about the wars? Will he not do that which is right? Yeah, but he's right. He's supposed to be righteous, good and sovereign. Let He will do what is right. And Job, who are you to question his goodness? So, the person who fears God is the one who completely submits to the Scriptures and then goes about building a life. In other words, a fruitful person is the one who works with their hands in the fear and obedience to God. Psalm 128, verse 1 and 2 says, Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. Did you see that? Blesses everyone who fears Him and walks in His ways. When they eat the fruit of their labor, of their hands, they will be happy and it will go well with them. Those are the ones who are bearing fruit, the ones who build homes in the fear of the Lord, the ones who fix his cars in the fear of the Lord. Amen. Number four, a fruitful person is the one who supports God's work with their finances. In Romans chapter 15, verse 26 and 28, it says, For it pleased those from Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor among the saints who are in Jerusalem. So, in other words, the saints in these two cities, Macedonia and Achaia, they took up an offering and they brought it to the church in Jerusalem to support those who were poor in that church. Verse twenty seven, it pleased them indeed, and they are they are their debtors. So in other words, those in Jerusalem, it pleased them, and they are in debt to those who bless them. For if the Gentiles have been partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister to them in material things. Verse 28. Therefore, when I have performed this, when I have performed this, and have sealed to them this fruit, what was this fruit? It was this offering. When I seal to them this offering, I shall go by my way to Spain. So we see that a fruitful person is the one who supports God's work with their offering. And then number five, a fruitful person is the one who leads people to Christ by sharing the gospel. 1 Corinthians sixteen fifteen says, Now I urge you, brothers and sisters, you know the household of Stephanus or Stephanus, that they are the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have devoted themselves to ministry of the saints. Okay, so this household from this man Stephanus or Stephanus became Christians after hearing the gospel, and they became the first Christians. They became the first fruits of the ministry of that of, of that group who led them to the Lord. So, in other words, every person that Comes to the Lord after you minister to them, they are fruits. And that makes your life a fruitful life. So our conclusion is that evangelism or evangelizing a new convert is to be fruitful. Now, number six fruitfulness is seen in the person who is constantly being sanctified. Is this helping anybody? Fruitfulness is seen in the person who is constantly being sanctified. Sanctified is the word being cleaned up, being cleaned up. You don't get saved because you cleaned up. You get cleaned up because you're saved. You don't get saved because you are now sanctified. No, you are sanctified, you are being sanctified because you got saved. And so, here we see in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, it says, For the moment, all discipline seems not to be pleasant. Nobody likes to be disciplined. He says, but it seems painful. Yet those who have been trained by it, by discipline, after they've been disciplined, it heals the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So, when you have somebody in your life that that brings to you the Word of God, and it might not be comfortable. not be like, yeah, but are you stepping on my toes? Well, I mean, you know, that's what the Bible says. And I just want to bring to you what the Bible says about what's going on in your life. You can have one or two responses. You can get angry at that person, or you can love them for it. I've, I love everybody who has come to me and brought to me the Scriptures and helped me correct my life to be in line with Scriptures. And so should you. Why? Because I love God more than my own ego who gets, who gets uh, you know, my ego gets touched when somebody comes to me and corrects me. But if I can deny myself, I can be disciplined. I can be discipled. That's where the word disciple comes from, is the disciplined ones. Right? And when we are disciplined, afterwards it says in verse 11, the peaceful fruit of righteousness Becomes yours. So, in other words, sanctification becomes yours. You are being cleaned up. Galatians five twenty two and twenty three says the same thing. He says, "But the fruit can everybody say fruit please? Fruit. But the fruit of the spirit of love is love. The fruit of God's Holy Spirit is love. Is joy. Is peace. Is patience." So, you know, we have some famous guy that slept some other famous guy, and <laughs> and he goes afterwards, he goes, he takes the the trophy that was given him, and he <laughs> says, he says, Love makes you do what does he say? Crazy things. And the moment I heard him say that, I thought, but the fruit of the spirit is love. Joy peace (laughs) patience okay kindness brother goodness faithfulness gentleness (laughs) self-control okay it says again that's love right there that's the first thing about love the bible says love romans 1 corinthians 13 love is what patient Love is kind. <laughs> Love doesn't make you do crazy stuff, brother. Love makes you patient. Love makes you kind. I've, I've, I've had moments where I felt like slapping people. And I think that if I ever had to go and slap somebody in public like that, they'll take me out of the room, wouldn't they? That's where it becomes wrong. If, I, if, if, if you're going to get arrested for something, then everybody else should get arrested for the same thing. You shouldn't be you shouldn't be receiving a standing ovation. So here we see that fruitfulness is seen in the person who is constantly being sanctified. Sanctified, right? So every time I see a lie, I see a person in our congregation growing in the things of God, walking away from certain things that they shouldn't be involved with, walking towards the things of God i'm so humbled by that because you know that is god it's not me you know it's not them (laughs) it's god that sanctifies you through his holy spirit and i i'm just amazed you know i meet with with many of you sometimes weekly sometimes monthly sometimes annually And, um, and we're a small congregation, so I'm, I'm so blessed to be in people's lives. And, you know, sometimes we have a breakdown. I get it. Sometimes things just really come apart, don't they? And you know it's okay. You know, it's really okay. But what's not okay is to leave it Broken. What we need to do is be sanctified continually. If somebody has breakdowns often, I'm like, all right, can we try and see if we can maybe space those breakdowns a little bit further from each other? (laughs) Can we grow? Yeah, can we grow between those breakdowns? Can, Can we have a little bit more time between this time and next time? Let's grow in sanctification. And let's know that this does not please God. We are misrepresenting God when we have these breakdowns. But it's okay. Sanctification is needed, not perfection. Perfection will drive you into sin, secret sin. You don't have to have secret sin. It's okay. Because sanctification is is working in you. Now, I don't want to mention too many names, but I know Dave wouldn't mind. He's our elder. I mean, can you can can you imagine, Dave, you know, <laughs> the cops breaking into his house and arresting him? <laughs> look at how look at how far God has brought, Dave. Where he now ministers. I mean, you know, it's an amazing thing. You know, um, I can't use Linda as an example. She's always been perfect. <laughs> Uh, there she is flushing flushing the evidence you know the papers down the toilet trying to protect her guilty husband (laughs) while the cops are running around the building looking for evidence (laughs) what an amazing amazing story of God's goodness and God's grace brother you could not have been sanctified the way God has sanctified you had it not been for the grace of God there was no wisdom to make those changes at the time, right? It's true for all of us. It's true for all of us. You know, we were talking, Sid and I were talking yesterday. I mean, you know, we are frustrated with where we are at, and we should be, because we want to always be more and more like God. But, you know, 10 years ago, Sid wasn't close to any church. (laughs) Well, actually, how long ago was that, Sid, when you were down in Vegas... Begging God to show himself to you nine years ago, Wow, yeah, he wasn't there. <laughs> you know it wasn't him, it had to be God <laughs> no how, how you know how is that even possible for anybody to grow in sanctification over a period of time? and the list goes on and on i 'm looking at every one of you i 'm thinking of how far God has brought you, not just out of, out of your 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 clubbing here is David Acathera, right? <laughs> and just brought, now you you are sitting in the church with your family. I mean, God God sanctifies people over time, and He uses the Word of He uses His Word to do so. That's why getting into the Word is so important, right? Getting in the Word is so important. And um, I didn't want to I don't want to really mention too many names, but I can I mean Steve, uh, Charlie, every single I mean Han. It's just amazing how God has uh, really worked in people's lives, but this is a sanctification, and that is fruit. That is fruit. That is a fruitful life. So we saw in scriptures that a fruitful person is the one who raises godly children. And, and, and I want to say many godly children. Many. Have many children. And raise them for God only. The fruitful life is the one who gives God praise with his lips. The fruitful life is the one who works with their hands in the fear and obedience to God. Right there in in the shop. Right there on the farm. Wherever you work. Right there in the office. You see that the person who who is fruitful is the one who supports God's work. Who supports God's work. Where there's substance. Number five, a fruitful person is the one who leads... People to christ by sharing the gospel by sharing the gospel number six a fruitful life is the one is the person who's constantly being transformed constantly being sanctified he's the person that's always repenting always repenting always repenting he's the tax collector that's beating his chest saying have mercy on me god have mercy on me I, like everybody else, we're sinners. Have mercy upon me, God. I will share your word. Even if they think I'm judging him. it doesn't matter. But we all should be beating our chests, saying, God, have mercy upon us. We are sinners. So the conclusion here is to continue being sanctified, being holy, or growing in holiness, is to have fruit. Now, in regards to John 15... When Jesus speaks of being fruitful, He's very definitely speaking to the 11 disciples, all His disciples minus Judas, about their mission. He's speaking to them about their mission, which He would later then clarify in the Great Commission, which is to go into all the world and to do what? To preach the gospel, to make disciples and to teach nations to obey Jesus. I'd like for us to actually look at that. Matthew 28, 17. Here is your great commission from heaven. God is speaking to you today. If you came here to to receive a word from God, here it is. If you want Jesus to speak to you, He's speaking to you right now. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, verse 17 of Matthew 28, saying, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given Me. Let me just... Pause right there. For our wonderful brothers and sisters who believe, and there are many, (laughs) and you might be in, in in that group, for those of brothers and sisters of ours who believe that Satan still needs to be bound, that he's still running around because he is in charge of this world, I'd like to know what we do with this verse. Jesus says, all authority, there's no authority other than this that I'm referring to now. All authority, every single bit of it, both in heaven and where? On earth, has been given to me. I am in authority, in total authority in heaven, and I'm in complete authority down on earth. Not Satan i am anyway i just thought i'll throw that in there for you <laughs> so next time when you're walking around i'll bind you satan i bound you yesterday but i'm binding you again <laughs> just think about it think about it for a moment brothers think about it sisters all authority was given to jesus at that point when was this after he rose from the dead you crucified on the cross buried when he rose he said okay all authority is now mine all of all of it and he says now that all of authority is mine he he says therefore go go therefore in other words because i am now in authority in this earth because of that therefore go On the basis of the fact that I am now in authority, on that basis, go into the world. With that confidence, go into the world. It's a brand new thought. Go because of that and make disciples of all nations. How do you make disciples? Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. How do you make disciples? Teaching them to follow all that I have commanded you. Go and make disciples. How, Jesus? Go all the nations, baptize them, and teach them to obey me. How many of you came here this morning in search of a word from God? Yeah? Hopefully, everybody. Well, here it is. (laughs) It is our commandment from God our purpose for this world in this life to go to the nations all nations and guess what when we have when we have that taste of Christ nation do you realize we represent like more than 14 different nationalities in this small group church of ours 14 we don't have foods here that aren't represented in our church we only have the foods represented here and by reaching out right here in these four walls We're already reaching 14 different nations. Isn't that amazing? In first year Bible school, we already have nine different people from nine different countries signed up in first year Bible school. Isn't that wonderful? We really are reaching the nations. You go like, where's everybody? Yeah, we're reaching them. All right? (laughs) Give us a minute, will you? (laughs) Don't be in such a rush. (laughs) We're getting there. We gotta get a building. We gotta, you know, we're doing a lot of things. We're starting second year Bible school. So give us a minute, huh? Yes, we're running first year Bible school and second year Bible school at the same time this year. April 13th, don't forget. That great commission is so alive to me, isn't it to you? Jesus rises from the dead and he says, I'm on authority now. You guys have been, people have gotten possessed. and Now here I am, I'm in charge now. Now, I'm not saying that Satan isn't currently deceiving people. He is, God allows him to deceive people. Like, for instance, I'll give you a good example of how he's like Satan, Satan is like, like the mobster, the gangster. He's not in charge, he's not the government. But what he's doing is, He's like the gangster who tries to manipulate and he he, 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 he tries to um, intimidate. He's like the roaring lion, like it, but he's not it. That is who he is today. And that's why you ought to laugh at Satan every time he comes at you. He's not in charge. And here, because Jesus is, because of that, now go and preach. So next time, next time you share the gospel with somebody, you share the gospel with somebody because Jesus is already in charge. It's like this. Back in the day, when a, new king, when, a, when a new king rises to power, he would send all his men to go and declare, He is now in power. He is now in power. We have a king. He is now in power. And that is the Great Commission. We are to go and declare the fact that Jesus, the king, has arrived. And we need to go to all the nations and tell them, by the way, I just want to let you know, Kim Jong-un, Jesus has arrived. <laughs> and He is now King of the earth. And you might get shot for that with a rocket, because that's how that guy shoots. <laughs> rocket man. He might kill you with a rocket. But guess what? That's why the early Christians were killed. Because their very first decree, their very first creed as a church was what Jesus is Lord. Why did they have that first creed? Because Caesar said he was Lord, and the church said, sorry, you're not. We're here to tell you Jesus is Lord. And they got killed. Why did they say, sorry, you're not, you're not, you're not Lord, Jesus is, because Jesus said, All authority has been given to me. Now go and tell the world. All authority is His. See, and that's how we ought to present the gospel. Declare that He is King. And you'll see those whom God's going to touch with His grace will go, I know He is. Yes, He is. Their hearts will come alive to that truth. And I thought I'll mention this as we come to a close, that um, this Easter, this Easter coming up in a few, few weeks here, April 17th. Thank you. <coughs> what I'd like to do here is I would love for us to have a massive outreach. I'd love for us to go into all the world in these between these four four walls and reach nations. How about that? By I'm going to prepare the gospel presenting the gospel in a very understandable way so that you can bring the person in your life that has least understanding <laughs> is, that, is that okay bring the person that has least understanding of the gospel and i will do my best to explain the gospel in the most understandable terms without watering it down and all we can do is we can present the gospel and declare that jesus has all authority and then allow god to touch people's hearts how many of you are with me on that yeah let's make a massive effort towards (laughs) preaching the gospel right on Easter because that's the easiest time to get anybody into church that's right Christmas Easter It used to be Mother's Day no longer is still somewhat but not completely and so Here we see uh, there are three things Jesus refers to when He's telling us to be fruitful. He's telling us to evangelize. He's telling us to make disciples. How do you make disciples? You first get a convert, somebody evangelized to Christ, and then you get them baptized and you teach them to obey everything that Christ has ever told us. That's our great commission. And that is a fruitful life. I'm going to close with the opening of today's sermon, which is John chapter 15, verse 1. (laughs) I'm supposed to. (laughs) This is the sermon... (laughs) He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Other translations say He's the gardener. I am the vine, and my Father is the gardener. Jesus, can you you get the picture? Can you see a vineyard? Jesus is the vine. God the Father is the vine dresser, the gardener. Then Jesus says, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. Okay, watch this. He takes away. Now, you can underline the words, He takes away. Do you know that that can be translated perfectly fine, perfectly, as He lifts up. He takes away from the ground. He lifts up. That's what that is. Now, if you, have a, if you can see the vineyard, and you see this vine, and it has a branch, and the branch is on the floor, and it's not producing. That's, what the, that's why the gardener goes, the vine dresser, he goes, he picks it up, and they usually have wires, and he ties that branch to a wire, lifts it up, and now the sap flows, and it produces fruits. How wonderful. Now, let's read it again. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener, every branch in me that does not bear fruit because it's laying on the floor, He picks up, He lifts up the branch in me that does not bear fruit so that it will bear fruit. (coughs) Jesus is promising, those of you who are truly in Christ, God the Father is lifting you up. This is God's work in you. He's lifting you up. And will cause you to become fruitful in sharing the gospel. In discipling someone else. And growing in sanctification. And growing in sanctification. Because when he says teach them to obey everything that I've taught them. That is sanctification. Teach them to obey. Obey. That is sanctification. So God's promise here is for those of you who are already in Christ. Not bearing fruit. God is going to lift you up. And he's going to cause you to become fruitful in your life, you will start seeing people, hearing you share the gospel, and you will become fruitful. You will start teaching people the Word of God, and they will start obeying the Word of God, and so be sanctified. So we as a church should ask God, make us fruitful, God. Can we do that right now? Let's just say this. Father God, thank You for lifting us up, making us fruitful, that we may reach the world that we may reach the nations with your gospel and that we may teach them to obey you in all that you have commanded us. Amen. And the final part of that verse, and then we close, it says, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. So that it may bear more fruit. The point here is no branch that is truly one of Christ's remains fruitless. The point is everybody who's truly in Christ ultimately will become fruitful. Whether it is that God didn't have to lift them up or whether it is that God did lift them up, but every single branch in Christ ultimately becomes fruitful. Sanctification is part of your Christian life if you're truly a Christian. Reaching out to others is part of your Christian life. Being fruitful in all of those ways is part of your Christian life. And every one of you who are truly in the vine and fruitful will ultimately experience pruning. I am okay with being disciplined. I'm okay. I don't, I'm not, I don't want to be so thin-skinned that nobody can come to me and say something to me. How many of you are with me in that? Yeah? How many of you are so thin-skinned you'd hate for me to identify you right here, right now. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right. (laughs) Amen. Did you get something out of the Word this morning? Amen.